Our podcast is intended for mature audiences. We'll be using adult language and listener discretion is advised. We'd like to remind everyone that we don't have all the answers. Our discussions are opportunities for us to understand the world around us with the information that we have. That means we may say things that are inaccurate, false, or possibly offensive. Thank you. lot going on we've had a lot of uh adventures adventures is the theme adventures uh we've had a wonderful uh past this this episode the name of the episode is going to be the globetrotting episode oh i like that i got you i like you're welcome the rva globetrotters hey i think that's oh yeah you guys aren't from richmond never mind i am right he is He's born and raised, bro. I'm what was looking at you. Born and you raised. You guys. And then you looked at him. And born if Adam and was raised. here, but, you, know, it's okay. you two are guys. We were lucky enough not to be from here. We um, chose to come over here. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. But you made a good decision nonetheless. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yo, there's been a lot going on since we last talked to you. And so we thought we'd uh, delve into some of that. You know, there's a, a book by the name of the guy that wrote it by the name of... Hold on, let me restart that. So, you know, there's a book by the name of, Oh, The Places You Will Go. Is it? Yeah. Wow. You know who wrote that book? Um, My man's... Was he... Who was it? I know who wrote it. Who it's Shell it? Silverstein, right? Shell, that's the lady, right? <laughs> Shell Silverstein, that's a guy. That's the lady, right? The lady that fell off the sidewalk. Um, she's like, help! I've fallen and I can't get up. That's her. The tree. The tree. Everything's a, everything's the tree. Everything's the tree. Everything's the tree. No, yes, Doctor Seuss. Doctor Seuss. Seuss. And yeah, of course. I really like that book. I think, mm-hmm. um, regardless of however old you are, I think that book relates to many people. Everyone. I think it relates to everyone. Yeah. So, <clears throat> where were the where were the places you went, man? <laughs> so recently, I uh, I came back from a trip to Japan, and uh, it was life changing. And I've I've kind of explained that to a lot of people, is that um, that trip was just it was unreal. Um, two weeks uh, of exploring and understanding a new culture, that culture that I've been wanting to experience for a really long time. And so I had a blast, man. It was uh, truly some. I like highly recommend anybody that goes to, that's looking for some place to go to go to that side of the world, but specifically going to Japan. Well, um, that's the episode. He had a blast. Hi right, guys. <laughs> if you like to educate us, challenge us or correct us. <laughs> Tweet us at end credits. Fade to black. Fade to black. <laughs> Uh, no, but this episode's really all about experiences, world travel, or even domestic travel. And, uh, you know, that could be spiritual travel. It could be, in, you know, how you feeling about where you want to go. So um, we're going to get into some of that today. So I'm excited to talk about some of the experiences Japan-wise. Um, one thing I will say, though, I took Air Canada to Japan, and it was wonderful. Really? Wonderful. Props to Air Canada. I know. Shout out, shout out. I'm about to, we're about to send you this uh, podcast so you can listen to it. Tweet at us. 
Shout out to Tap Portugal for my travels. You guys Ooh. are really cool too. What's, what is it called? Tap Portugal? Tap Portugal. That's the name of the airline? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. But to, but to, but to throw all this away. Shout out to United Airlines for always hooking <laughs> brother up, son. Always, son. United Airlines for life, son. Lufthansa for life, son. Oh. You don't even know. British Airways. I'm throwing you out. Carrying you down aisles. I have a very uh, close relationship with United Airlines and I've never been treated badly by them. Our Twitter followers just <laughs> went. I know. Well, that's okay. I don't really care anyway. Um, no, but it, it, I mean, the the trip that we took um, through Air Canada, I mean, we got a sick deal. It was like $600 round trip. Was it a slick deal? It, it actually wasn't a slick deal. It was through, oh. um, actually, a coworker of mine had sent me the deal and was like, hey, I know you've been thinking about going to Japan. Check out this deal. And um, the, the flight deal was like, I mean, it was unreal. It was through this aggregator site called Momundo. Go check them out. They're really, like, you know, your XP days and your travelocities and stuff like that probably aggregate through hundreds of sites. Well, Momundo aggregates through thousands of sites. And it found this small boutique travel agency that was offering this $600 flight. Round Actually, trip? Uh, round trip. What? Yeah. And Two so, people or just one? Uh, one person. But that's still, not bad. Yo, that's great. You People, fly, people pay more that's than awesome. that to go domestic. Yeah, it's like absolutely. <laughs> you can like you can go to California for like seven hundred, eight hundred dollars. You know? Yeah, I was gonna say you can get a flight from Dallas IAD for those yeah. uh, airport savvy people. IAD to Logan, bro, that's seven hundred dollars. Yeah, dude, it's, it's crazy. I, that's what I'm saying. So when when we saw this deal, I was like, yo, we've got to pounce on this. And so it was six hundred dollars round trip through. And, and when we booked the flight, it, it was through this small boutique agency called Travel Mary. And I was like, yo, this looks like some shady shit, right? <laughs> right? When I got the e-ticket, I was like, this can't be real. So oh, I, it was, it, yeah, I was like, shit, they got my credit card number. <laughs> Fuck, yo. <laughs> but then uh, I called up Air Canada immediately and I was like, yo, is this real? And they were like, yeah, how can we help you, eh? <laughs> and so, <laughs> so uh, they're like, can, can, we reserve <laughs> can we reserve your seats, eh? And um, so then I, we reserved seats. So we got like booked the meals and all that stuff. This is like three months in before the flight. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I thought we were ahead of the game. But I learned little tips that you learn when you like travel. Always go for the first seat because then you have unlimited room. Why you didn't ask me, bro? I know, dog. I should have hadn't traveled internationally. Airline flyer over I, here. I hadn't been, traveled it in internationally in like. Long time. Ten years, yeah. eight years, no, something like that. I mean, there, they forget, are a different things. price though because of that. Depending yeah, on that. that's true. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I, can, I, I, oh, but usually, like, the flight, the price difference is, like, between, like, 10 and 50. Uh, and I would, on a seven and a half hour flight, or 14 hour yeah, flight, 14 hour, me, flights, 14 hour flight, I would actually absolutely play 50 bucks extra to get that extra leg room. So then, when, it, it, the, the best part about it was that it was one stop, right? Dallas to Toronto, Toronto straight to Tokyo. So, I mean, the Dallas to Toronto flight was an That's a layover. A layover, one layover, sorry. Um... Uh, and so it was uh, the Dallas to Toronto was like an hour, an hour and fifteen minutes, which was like amazing. Because you and you think about that, and you're like, holy shit, how is this an hour? Yeah. Like you know, that's like a pretty pretty extensive distance. So, uh, but anyways, um, but they were wonderful. The uh, Toronto shout out to Toronto Airlines for not you know taking me off through the aisle. Yeah, it is going like eight hundred miles. Yeah, per I was gonna hour. say it's like you're going at least like you're going fast. I don't know about eight hundred. I think we were in a jet. Maybe it's 800 kilometers. I think we were in a jet. If we were in a normal air, normal airplane, like as in like, you know, something, because it was a small it's airplane. Seven, it's seven or 800. It was it's, a small airplane. 
But if you know what, how fast uh, you know one of those flights goes, let us know. Um, I'll tell you right well, now because yeah. like now I'm curious. Zigzags. Five hundred and seventy-five miles per hour. Hmm. Is that your normal? Seven hundred and forty. It's nine hundred and thirty kilometers per hour. Oh, maybe that's what so that's what I got my goodness wrong. So I was like, "There's." I was like, "This isn't Concord Airlines. They went out of business because they were going that fast." <laughs> Concord Airlines. Shout out to Concord Airlines. No, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, continue. so yeah, the, I guess the route that we flew was Toronto through like Vancouver, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we flew across that way as opposed to going the opposite west, okay. right? And so, uh, you know, thirteen hours, fourteen hours later, uh, arrived in Tokyo, and, and it was awesome. It's actually kind of interesting. My, um, you know, the thing that I kind of regret the most is that not being able to explore Tokyo fully we didn't get to explore Tokyo fully and that was kind of um, hard because you know you think we spent the most time in Tokyo but we didn't like the most days physically or you know but we um most of that time was like oh two days for Fuji and then you know that that took up time and then we took a day trip to Kamakura and then you know we were left with what like a day and a half it's like you know not enough time so kind of we got to see like the major major things but i still want to go back and see some of the more in-depth stuff given that tokyo is like the largest city in the world it's right. even larger than new york um so <clears throat> it's kind of crazy so, so, anyways the extent the extent of the trip was tokyo kyoto and osaka and then a couple day trips to kamakura and then this city called arashiyama and uh it was it was wonderful and what was in those cities? So, Tokyo is obviously the largest city in the world. Um, apparently, has the largest footprint of Michelin's Michelin restaurants. In case you didn't know, uh, more than Paris. Adam would have been able to tell us that. I know, indeed. We're missing you, Adam. That actually makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But then, you know, the interesting piece was that I noticed. So, obviously, Tokyo is has wonderful food, but Osaka is actually known for its food. It's called like the the kitchen of. Uh, Kitchen of Japan, yep. and so uh, we so Kyoto is known is known for its temples, and so you know you go there and it's very uh, ancient in the sense that you know it was one uh, another story you know tidbit of fact fun fact um, of information is that apparently Kyoto when they were figuring out the U.S. was this kind of sounds really terrible but when they during World War Two when they were trying to figure out which which city they wanted to bomb. They were identifying, you know, there's like decorum, right? Even when it comes to bombing cities. Yeah. And so, oh, yeah. yeah. And so you're like, you know, trying to figure out, they were trying to identify what city they wanted to bomb in Japan. And when they were identifying that, they purposely didn't target Kyoto because of its ancient nature. Yeah. And, and how old it is. And so they, that's why it's kind of unfortunate they ended up bombing Nagasaki and Hiroshima because they just weren't as old. Um, and so they, or they didn't have as much, you know, critical infrastructure or things that were like very native to Japan that you couldn't be replicated. Right. And so, uh, people you can replicate. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so, but you know, you learn, you go to some of these temples and and it's kind of interesting. You think, you know, when you go to a temple, you're like, uh, oh, I've got to see every one of them. But like, I don't mean this in a negative connotation, but when you see one, you kind of have a general idea of how the others are. They all have their own unique concepts, but the, like the general concept is all very much the same. Like when you approach, at least that's that's kind of the way that even when we talk to multiple people about the you know their experiences, even the videos that we watched, you know, leading up to it, we're like you know, people were talking about how you know you go to one one temple and you kind of get a general understanding of this is how the general framework is going to work for all of them, and so you know like at that point you pick out the ones that you want to go to. I can understand what you're saying because, I mean, a lot of Christian cathedrals 
kind of look the, the same, same yeah, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, unless they're not, unless you know, unless they're made for a specific purpose, like um, compared to, I don't know, cathedrals here in Richmond, comparing cathedrals to in Italy where right. Catholicism was born. So of course those are going to be a little more elaborate, mm-hmm. that type of thing. But yeah, I, I would I would agree that. A house, houses of worship have kind of like a foundation of yeah. you need this, this, and this. And then that's pretty much the and, gist of the yeah. rest of it. Yeah, you're right. I, I agree. Because I was going to say like, I feel like masjids are the same way. Mondays are the they same are. way too. Like, essentially, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. Mm-hmm. And, and that's very reductionist. But it's kind of true because at the core of it, like, you're there to worship. So like... You got to have these things in order for it to be considered considered a house holy of worship. Place, even yeah. though, like, even all of the people that attend that place realize that you don't really need that place to worship, right? Whomever, whatever, right? And and that's kind of I didn't want to say the the reductionist way, no, but, I mean, but, but it's it is. True, but it's it yeah, is absolutely. That's what I wanted to get at initially. Um, it, it was still regardless, incredibly beautiful. And the only hard part about that was. That the sheer mass volume of people, mm-hmm. um, because especially the big popular ones, you know, there's just so many people and it kind of, it, you know, takes away from where you are because you're trying to kind of take it all in and absorb what you're, you're looking at and observing. But then there's all like people walking past you and like people and like Japanese people are unbelievably respectful. So it's not like people are being obnoxious. It's just that like, there's just a lot of the people. volume. Of yeah. And so, um, Arlene's sister was very, you know, good about showing us the ones that weren't very, you know, popular or weren't like were the more were still gorgeous and beautiful, but they just didn't have the sheer volume. Yeah. I would like to do that too. I yeah. would like because sometimes places like that end up becoming tourist traps, right? And that's what you want to avoid. Like you want to go over there and you want to see the actual meaning behind that place. And I feel like when a lot of people show up, you're just like, well, this is kind of, yeah, like you're getting in the way of me just being yeah right and you want to take it in because like you know for example in tokyo i think the first day we went to this the largest it was a, one of the largest tori gates in all of japan and it, and you you see it that's oh, a tori sharp she created them um <laughs> <laughs> no but it so it's like this beautiful and like i'll try to post a picture on the on the website or maybe you know link something to you guys but we took a picture of it and it's like it's gorgeous and you go inside and you like you know they're mass i mean these places are huge right but then you have like these tons of people that are just like constantly around you and you want to absorb and like take in where you are and like really be in like a place of Zen. Right. And, um, so I found like sometimes that was difficult given the fact of where you were. So th- that's what Kyoto is known for. Um, and, but besides that Kyoto was by far, sorry, I shouldn't say by far because that's not necessarily true, but it was one of probably my favorite city in Japan that we visited. And that's also given the fact that I didn't see Tokyo properly. Um, but Kyoto is such a beautiful, cute little city. And it's like its charm is in the fact that it's cute and small and easy to get around, but it still has like everything that you want, you'd want to do. Um, you know, it's got wonderful shopping markets like Nishiko. And, and then you also have like a combination of large, big malls, right? That like you can go and explore and has like, you know, karaoke. And that, that was wonderful about Japan and Kyoto in specific. Um, and then we went to Osaka after that and it's actually kind of, kind of cool. We took the bullet train, the Shinkansen from, um, Kyoto to Osaka or, uh, I think it was actually, we took it from Tokyo to Kyoto because it was a much farther distance and Kyoto and Osaka are very close. And so, 
Osaka is like like I said, the kitchen of Japan. So it was like wonderful food, food places all over, and they're also known for this uh, specific type of food called takoyaki, which is like you know fried balls of octopus. And um, so we had some some good takoyaki there. Were there any things that you saw that you were like, no, I don't even want to touch that. I don't want to. Like, Much less eat it. it. Lots of things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, and, and the th- funny thing is, I really enjoy food. Like, I, but. There are some things, if I can see what it was in its original form, I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> you want them. You missed one of Adam and I's preachy episodes. Oh, you yeah. You them. Yeah, yeah. It's more of like... You a, have to have a conversation, son. <laughs> Save that for a different episode. So the octopus didn't look like octopus when you ate it. No, no. Because it was in fried... It was like a fried ball. Like, it was like kind of like a pakora, right? You don't understand, like, what's in the pakora. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I absolutely do. I made them. No, I know. Obviously. <laughs> But I'm saying to somebody that I didn't make them, you wouldn't know what's in it until... If they told me there was an octopus in it, then I'd imagine that there was an octopus in it. <laughs> okay. Uh, fair enough. So <laughs> I'm just saying. No, fair enough. I'm not trying have, to be rude. <laughs> you didn't have anything alive on your plate? Uh, no, no, no. Oh, I, I totally would have eaten some But like, okay. it's kind of interesting. So I'm really weird about stuff like that. Like, if I can see it, like, I didn't eat it. I didn't like to eat anything with that had fish eyes. Like, so there's a lot of things that have fish eyes. Like, you know, it's a topping, right? In mm-hmm. Japan. So I didn't eat any of that stuff, but I like love the other food, um, you know, pretty much like anything else I would eat that wasn't. So there was this, <laughs> this is one video we have on our GoPro that we were taking. <laughs> so we were, uh, we were in one of the markets and we were like, you know, showing all the, there was like this one raw food, raw, like seafood. Fish market? Yeah. It wasn't really a fish market, but it was kind of a fish market because it had a lot of fish and like raw seafood, right? True. But um, you walked up to this one booth and there was like these sticks of like legit, it was like an octopus in like its form, right? And like in the head was like a, a quail egg. So the head is really big. But like, and then you have like the tent and it's like on a stick. And like people just like, oh, buy it. And they like just start eating it. And I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> I am not touching that. But um, so they were eating octopus head. Yeah, the octopus head. And it was like the whole thing. Just like raw? So it's like, it's, it's it's like a tur- it's like a turducken uh, of where like you have the octopus on the outside and inside the head you have a quail egg. Yeah, exactly. But you can eat the whole thing. Yeah, like you can the eat the whole thing. Yeah, you eat the whole thing. And it's not it raw completely, but I'm sure that it's like broiled or something. But you can still see it's like in its like raw form in the sense of like you can still see was what it, it is. Still it's like boiled Was seafood. it still moving? Yeah, probably. Okay. Or was it it wasn't still moving. No, no, no. It was broiled. Probably. Okay. Um, but it wasn't like, like fried and it wasn't alive. It yeah. was like I mean, it was I could, cooked. I wish I could ask all these questions, but I. <laughs> but if it was fried, I'd have wanted to. Oh yeah, if it was fried, <laughs> I probably would have eaten it too. But um, I, I mean, like I said, there was just amazing food. I, that doesn't underscore the fact that the food was phenomenal. I've never had such fresh food. Actually, the food was so fresh. Like including milk or products. I mean, anything that you get there was so fresh that I felt like when I came back to the States and I had some of the stuff that I had here, like I immediately felt a difference. Like my stomach didn't take it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and so that was an interesting feeling. So like, for example, ice cream was one of those things. Like I had some wonderful soft serve when I was there. Right. When I came back here and I had like our ice cream, I was like, Oh, my stomach's not taking this right. <laughs> so, and you um, love ice cream. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but like, you know, isn't it true that in certain areas and countries that they use different flavor profiles or different ingredients for that people or, you know, those cultures, like stuff here would be 
obviously would be made differently and 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 it's like marketed towards what Americans would like towards their taste palette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I would say that's that's safe to I would say that's guys... for I would say that is for like prepackaged food. I don't yeah. think for street food or anything like that it would mm-hmm. be like that, but I think for certain like Got street it. like yeah. the example that I feel like you're you may be thinking of is like Coke. Like there's okay. regionalized Cokes, like there's Mexican okay, yeah. Coke and like European Coke, and I know that there's a special like Coke in India, and they t- they all I've had all of them and they all taste different. Yeah. So that like prepackaged products probably, but like as far as that country's right. particular food goes, I don't think so. Right, right. That and al- and also there's there's lots of ingredients that are that we use here in America for foods that are illegal or banned in other countries. That's true. Yeah. So that that's that's my first thought. Yeah, Do you know really any off top like that are banned other? Uh, I mean, it's on it's on like lists about it. Um, I don't remember any ingredients specifically, but um, a lot of preservatives, obviously, just to make sure to make things last. Dyes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. I like I said, I don't know any of the chemical names or or, yeah, or food yeah. names or anything, but I know it's definitely the preservatives and and dyes. Yeah, and you know. This is kind of just to get away from the food piece. You know, I very much, from this whole experience, miss Japan. And it's like a a longing and yearning. You know, it's not like a... It's like I miss a person. Like, it's like a person moved away, and I'm missing them. I'm like, I wish they were still here. Fuji-san. Yeah, and, and so it's just... It's, yep. it's beautiful. And that's kind of what I think is the appealing part of Japan, is that when you come back, you miss it. And it, it's... It's more than just the food or the things you see and the way things are packaged. It's the people. And it's kind of weird because the pe- you don't interact with the people. <laughs> it's, it's not like, you know, I interacted with so many Japanese people that, like, I miss them. It's like you miss their vibe. You know, like, you miss how respectful people were. You, like, you know, the interactions that you had with folks daily. Like, you know, I, there's so many stories that I could tell. Here's a few. One... The bowing gesture, which is something very infamous of Japan, and you all know this, obviously, but for those that are listening on the podcast, it's a very infamous gesture, and Japanese people are very much known for it, right? And so you would at least bow that 15 times during a transaction. Like, I would give, like, you know, and so this is a, a transaction in Japan. I would say, oh, I would like to buy this. They bow. They say, okay. And then they take it. They start packaging it. They like, you know, put it and fold it. Then they bow. They look at me again and they bow again. They're talking and they're not talking to me specifically. They're just kind of speaking out loud about like what it is and like, you know, how much the price is and like, you know, what they're doing and like, do you need a gift bag or whatever? And so they're like continuing packaging it, right? They package it really nicely, right? They put it in one wrapper and then they put it in another wrapper and then they put it in the bag and then they fold the bag and then they put a little sticker on the inside of the bag so that the bag doesn't open like little things, right? Then they fold the bag and they give it to you and they bow again and they make sure you take the bag first. So you have the goods before you've even like brought out your wallet, tried to pay for it, right? And they bow again and they tell you, it's like they look at the, the price, they say the price, they you know show you the little thing, they're like, oh, this is the price, is this price okay? Is this price okay with you? Is this what you thought the price was going to be? And I'm like, you know, you're like, yeah, you do. And then like... You know, like I said, this interaction is like 10 minutes long, but it's beautiful, right? It's not like... It was a pack of gum, bro. I know. <laughs> and like, no, you know, and it's just like, so you, you, you know, you pay, when you're paying them, 
you don't pay, you don't like direct contact for your money is not like something that Japanese people do. So you put it in this little like card holder. So like I would pay with card, I put the card in the card holder and then I slide the card holder to them. They take the card from there, they swipe it, they put the receipt in there, they slide it back, I sign it and then I give it back and then I take my card and they like bow again a couple times and you say arigatou gozaimasu and then you leave. Like, But it's just such a pleasurable interaction because it's like, you know, here... They're like, where's the money? You know, like, let me get my money, right? Let me get my, it's very capitalism at its finest, right? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with getting your money, but I'm just like, it, it's just something that's like, they want to make sure that your customer experience is through the roof. And, and that's the part that you miss. You're like, man, they really cared about like whether I came out of there happy, you know, whether I came out there with my thing and happy with the product. And so that's like, you know, uh, that's just one interaction of many. And like the Japanese people aren't gonna, like the type of people that are going to go out of their way to like come over to you and like say like, hi, hi, how are you doing? Like they're very much about their business and like, you know, you carry, you do your thing, you do your job, you do it well. And like at night, you, you know, you play hard, you party hard, but you work hard, right? That's the whole mentality. And so, you know, I, every day, like this is a t tale of the infrastructure that's in Japan, right? So, like, you know, obviously Japan is known to be very infrastructure. Like, they're, they're, they know what the fuck they're doing when it comes to, you know, mass transit and getting people to where they need to be, right? So, I think I've told you guys this story about... So, in Tokyo, we would take the train every day to go... The subway to go places. And so, we were going to one place, and every morning we would, you know, take the subway. And the, the line that we took was six layers underneath the ground. So, like, there were layers of subway lines above us. Six layers beneath the ground. So we, by the time you get down there, you think that you'd be in like a really claustrophobic place. Like it'd be really tiny, not a lot of lights, muggy and like, you know, uh, dank. <laughs> um, but like you get down there and it's like really well lit. The AC is working really well. Like, you know, it's very clean. And then like you can, in, it's almost like they try to replicate like you're outside. So the Japanese pay attention to like the smallest details. You can hear like this faint little bird chirping in the background. To make it seem like, and I think Garen had an uh, alternative to this, which you should say, um, which I thought it's like to replicate like you're outside to like make it seem like, oh, you know, you're close to the, close to being like to the surface, but you're really like six layers underneath the ground. Yeah. But Garen, what, what was your, you, what it's actually for? Oh, uh, I don't know if this is actually what it's for. <clears throat> I'm only saying that it might be for it because of experience. <laughs> Uh, in here, right here in good old Richmond. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of the places, a lot of bigger cities will use bird noises or like replicate some sort of like predatory animal, sometimes owls or something like that in order to keep away small rodents to try to keep things clean. And I'd imagine, you know, you're six stories underground, like there's probably rats and shit down there. Right. So I would, I would say that that is a very plausible explanation, but I'd also imagine it has something to do with like pest control. Right. No, that's a good point. It's a really <clears throat> good point. And so, you know, those are the little things that you like. You're like Japan's living fucking in twenty fifty. Yeah, we're in twenty seventeen. They have the highest um, uh, what's it called age yeah. in the entire world. They have the most blue zones in the entire world. And are you guys familiar with what blue oh, zones are? Oh, I know what are? you're talking about. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. like. A blue zone, there are, I want to say about a dozen or so blue zones in the entire world. And what a blue zone is, is, and I'll try to link it and I'll send it to you guys because it's actually very interesting. And it's essentially one place where everything is 
as ideally healthy as it should be. So the mortality rate is really late and there's a, or there's a very low mortality rate for infants. It's very healthy. All the people are very active. The people that live, live a long time. The age rate is really mm -hmm. long. Everything is healthy about that place. There's little to no pollution mm -hmm. and like every single thing about that blue zone is how humans are meant to live and it extends their life by almost 30 years. It's amazing. It is. And I think in in the United States there's only like two and in Japan there's like half a dozen. Mm. And and they are all over the world. But it's amazing like Japan is definitely on the next level, man. It it's unreal, man. Uh going back to what you were saying earlier, I think you may be in the <clears throat> more uh, suitable position to answer this question, but you were talking about the infrastructure of Japan. Do you think that that has a lot to do with um, like centralized thinking or a lot of like uh, not too much dissent in the politics or cultural? Because we see a lot of that clash here in the United States. And so our inner cities have so many problems because nobody can come to agreement on anything. Yeah. Um, what do you think, what is your perspective on that and how, how do you think they're doing so well? It's actually so interesting that you mentioned that. And I'd love to hear our, like, we should have some conversation around this. Cause I think this is a really, that's a really good question. Cause I thought the same question when I was there, I was like, yeah. why is this place yeah. any different than any other place? And there's a big reason. Uh, yeah. There many big reasons. Yeah. There's many reasons. Yeah. My, my thought to answer that is I think the way the Japanese are raised, and I think it starts at the, f the way that the family works mm. in Japan. Everybody's raised to believe either to first be self-sufficient. For example, I saw, I can't tell you how many times I saw kids on the street, like kids in the subway. And I say like kids, they're like no sure. older than seven, six, seven years old. And they're like just riding the subway. Yep. I've never felt as safe in, uh, in my life as I felt in Japan. I've never felt like I feel safer in Japan than I do here. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and I don't mean that negatively upon where we live. I just, the Japanese, like, you know, maybe it's also given the fact that I didn't go into the shadiest of places, but, um, I think also it's just the general vibe that you get in Japan. But I think it starts with the family. I think in addition, um, you're absolutely right. I think folks are very, um, when I said they, stay in their lane and they do their job and they do it well and they're not, you know, uh, people aren't going to make a ruckus. I think that's innate to who the Japanese are. You know, oftentimes I think, you know, we in the States get caught up in, oh, I don't want to pay higher taxes. I don't want to have to deal with this. This isn't my problem. You know, this isn't something that's, that I should have to deal with. Well, in the, ja I think the Japanese believe, you know, and, and I think Arlene and her sister mentioned this multiple times. It's like, they believe the subway system is theirs. Like they pay for it. That's why they believe that they should keep it clean. They should like, you know, be, it's like self-policing, right? They're like, I paid for this. This is something that I was, you know, my tax dollars are going into. Well, I should keep it clean. I, it's my responsibility as a Japanese citizen to like do everything that I can to make sure that this is presentable and works properly and is something that is welcoming to others that maybe aren't from here. Um, and, and so I think there's a lot of very, like an ownership amongst the Japanese. They believe like, you know, anything that's public is theirs. And it's like, you know, because it's public, they feel like an obligation to 
make sure that it's the best possible for the for the citizens around them. And I, I think that's a, a huge, you know, issue in the states. I think you know folks believe that it's not their problem. Like, why should they have to worry about it? Right. And I think that's a constant issue that that comes up in the states. Is you know, folks in Japan don't believe in entitlement, and I, I could be completely wrong. But from my observation, being there two weeks, I don't think they believe in entitlement. I don't think they're entitled to, you know, they, they feel as though this is something that's mine and I, it's think, mine because it, I earned it. Do you think the lack of entitlement comes from a more normalized place of equality? There's less disparity between the people of that country? Mm, that's hard. I don't want to... I don't know how to answer that because I don't think uh, I know enough sure, to answer it. Sure. Even yeah. like a classist or socioeconomic. Yeah, I feel way. maybe more people are more along the same socioeconomic stru- like lane in their stratification of who they are as people. I, like there's less disparity across the board. People are sharing in all of that wealth. I, so there's no entitlement. I feel like that. I feel like that goes back to the culture of Japan. Now yeah. again, I'm not Japanese, so I can't. Or, you know, I can't really speak for an entire population of people. Uh, that's my disclaimer. But I think that being homeless or being lazy or something like that is culturally frowned upon in that, that country. So even if you are homeless or you are poor or something like that, you're still expected to do your job and do it the best, regardless of what you're doing. Whereas here, there's a hierarchy in... Oh, well, you know, if you're a janitor, people are going to look at you a certain way. Whereas if you work somewhere else, if you're a doctor or a lawyer, people are going to look at you another way. And to an extent, I feel like that's kind of global. But in Japan, I feel like there's more of a... If you are purposefully not trying to do something and you're being lazy, people are going to call you shit. As they do here. I mean, as they do anywhere. If you're going to be a lazy bum, you're a lazy bum. That's universal. Mm -hmm. But... I don't think they look down upon somebody that does a more labor intensive job than someone that does a less labor intensive job. More intellectual. Correct. Correct. And you know what's fascinating is another interaction, you know, just Alisa um, was telling us that like if someone drops like, you know, in, in, in the States, if someone like drops something or they like, you know, let's say they were holding a piece piece of paper or a pile of papers and they drop them on the ground you know you'll see people coming up and like you know trying to help them whereas like in japan it's kind of interesting i didn't realize this like you know you think about it and you're like why wouldn't people do that like if someone drops something very similar like you won't see people coming around and helping them and the reason being for that there's a reason for it they talk alisa was telling us that they view it as like burdensome it's like, oh, it's my it's burden. It's my problem. I don't it, want to put it on you. Yeah, it's yeah. my it's my yeah. problem. You shouldn't have to come and help me to, to because I messed up and dropped these pieces of paper. Like that's something that I should have to deal with. You shouldn't have to deal with it because it's my responsibility. And it's like, you know, it's kind of the same. Uh, they, they use that in a variety of ways. I remember we were on the train once at, on the Shinkansen and we were coming back from Osaka to Tokyo. Um, getting ready to come back to the States. And like, you know, everybody on the train, it's a packed train, right? And uh, these are like the non-reserve seats. So like there's reserved coaches and then there's these, the non-reserve coaches. And so we got on the non-reserve coach. And so we were, we luckily were able to find seats, but there was this one woman who had a baby. Obviously, no, there was no seats available. So I gave up my seat so she could sit down with her kid and like, you know, obviously be fine. 
it's kind of interesting. There was an old couple right next to me, and nobody else gave up their seat, but which is very abnormal because most Japanese are very good about it. They're very good about like you know for the elderly or for someone that's like expecting or somebody that has a child. Like they'll usually give up their seat and give them the seat. So it was really abnormal, right? So I gave up my seat and gave it to the, the lady who had the child. And there's this old couple sitting right across from us. And like he was like very appreciative of that. He was like so appreciative because nobody else was giving up their seat. He like gave me something, right? And like he gave me like a rice cake. And he was like, here you go. Like, good job. You know, thank you. Thank you. Good job. And he obviously didn't speak much English. But then I, I wanted to give something back to him. And Elisa was like, don't give him something back because then he'll feel an obligation to give something give back something. to him. Just give him a Packers hat. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of the mentality, right? The Japanese have is like, you know, it's like, you know, you give them something, they feel like they, they need to give something back to you. It's like a, it's like a, a you know. It's a trend. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, and so uh, I remember on the plane home, I gave something to our person like, sitting next to us. Ali was like, <laughs> so I really wanted to do it, so I gave this, I gave it back, but, but you know, like that's the type of mentality the Japanese have. So like you know, I think that goes back to who they are as a you know, as a people, how they were raised. Uh, you know, like the ownership falls on you. Like you're responsible for yourself, so make sure you you take care of yourself. And it's a very guilt ridden society. Um, you know, that's why the Japanese. That's why the suicide rate is so high in Japan. Um, it's a very uh, yeah. Very I would say that that of uh, a lot of Asian yeah. countries in general. Yeah. I, I can say that for India as well. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah, very guilt ridden. Yeah, like you know, sure. if like like you know we were talking about earlier, if you're fucking up, then get your shit together. Get your shit together. Yeah, because you're gonna feel it. Or if yeah. you're unlucky in employment, or unlucky in love, unlucky in family situations. Yeah. Right. You know, you just like it's very guilt ridden, and so. Um, but that that doesn't mean that like folks aren't you know welcoming and you know they're just very very on top of what they're doing you know. So I always like to ask, what was your upon landing? Did you get there uh, during the day? Or day. Like, day. So when you landed, as you were looking over all of the city, you were looking at everything. Did you have a window seat? Uh, no, early day. But you were leaning right over. And yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So. As you were looking out of the window and you were looking at everything eager-eyed and smiling, when those tires hit the tarmac, how did you feel? It's a good question, actually. So I can't tell you how I was feeling when the tires hit, but I can tell you as I was getting out the the airplane. You look outside and you're like, where where the hell am I? (laughs) Because you see all of a sudden everything's in Japanese, right? So the Japanese, one thing that I will tell, tell you is they're the one place in the world and I, I, this could be a stretch, like I said, that hasn't been permeated by Western culture. And when I say that, is they're very much them. The Japanese are themselves. You know, you don't go anywhere and feel like they're trying to imitate or trying to copy. It's like them, you know? So oftentimes, like, you'll go to, like, places and you'll, you know, in other countries, like, I can say that, like, you know, when I went to Dubai or something like that, you're trying to replicate a feel, right? You're trying to replicate, like, you know, Usually a Vegas. Western, Western let's feel. say, let's yeah, say like, usually a Western feel. Yeah, yeah right. Understandable. And like, you know, where everybody speaks English, yeah. or you know, and like you don't you don't get that in Japan. Like you just and so I felt that immediately getting off the airplane. Like as you soon as I was like getting, that? I was like, oh fuck! I'm like, I am not in. <laughs> you're like, not in Kansas. Anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and so you get off the plane, you're like, oh shit. Because, like, you know, even billboards are in Japanese. Like, as soon as you get off, Everything. you're like, oh, shit. 
like, how the hell am I going to do this, right? <laughs> but then, like, you slowly, but everybody, it's not like they're not willing to help. You yeah. just have to ask for it. And everybody's really wonderful and nice, but that's what I felt. That's the feeling I felt. I was like, man, oh shit. Oh, like, we're, I did, but I, in, a, in a cool way. Like, I was like, oh, I'm excited to, like, go check this out. Yeah, it's, it's almost that feeling <laughs> of you're excited to get lost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was. Oh, was, yeah. And so, I, that's what I felt. It was just, uh, it was really cool. And so that's one, and that's one of my biggest takeaways is that it's the one place that wasn't permeated by Western culture. Like, you know, you go there and like, even in Tokyo was the most, most exposure you could get to English. And even there you didn't get that much. Right? So was Alyssa your child? Like, Essentially. Your child was translating the whole trip for you? I mean, she she didn't do it the whole time. Yeah. But she but th- there were multiple times where she was just like, you know, I, I remember... Um, you know, a couple times when trying to go to like, you know, dinner and it was like, oh shit, like, Yasef, you should know what the character for pork is, you know, tonight, like, tonight. Yeah. <laughs> like you should know what that is, you know, like, um, and so just uh, knowing, just being cognizant of those things, like I said, everybody, uh, you know, was pretty good for the most part, but there was some, there was a lot, not some, there was a lot of places that only had Japanese menus. Like, right. didn't have any English on the menu. Did you ever feel scared or overwhelmed? No, never scared. Um, overwhelmed at times, but in a good way. Like, I was, like, overwhelmed with, like, oh, my God. Like, I want to go see this and this yeah. and this. It's kind of interesting. You know, you set foot in a place and you're like, oh, I plan on spending, like, an hour and a half or two hours here. Four hours later, you come out and you're like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> we were supposed to be here by now, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's the vibe that you get you're like you that's why i say two weeks is not nearly enough i, I mean absolutely not people nearly spend, enough like you gotta think about it like this people spend their entire lives in richmond and they'll never know exactly of richmond, you know what i mean oh my gosh like, it, it happens it's people, crazy it just and that like people will spend their entire life in, lives in tokyo and they'll never know what's outside of tokyo it's everywhere it's yeah you know? you know as a kid i always thought of tokyo as like this nexus of like progression and science and like technology and stuff like that like a wakanda or something right and that's something that i always like uh fantasize about if i ever went to japan i want to immerse myself in like that kind of thing was there anything that you saw in tokyo or anywhere in japan that you felt like wow they really advanced for this we need this oh dude i mean uh, uh so many things and like like i said i mean the I have the same fantasies. I still have them because I feel like it did, I didn't fulfill my fantasy. You know, you go there and you're like, it, you think, I mean, like I said, that's kind of half the reason why I watch certain films. Yeah. Like I'll see the trailer and I'll be like, oh fuck, it's from Japan. I'm going, right? Yeah, yeah. I want to see this movie just from like watching because it's like I'm obsessed with that like yeah. next level technology, new age shit that like feels like you're living in some other century, right? And so... um I felt that a lot in Japan, especially when I was in the very high traffic area. Like, I'll, show, I'll post a picture on our website. Um, There's this one area that we stepped into Tokyo. This was right after, or as we were going to the robot restaurant, which the robot restaurant was ridiculous. Uh, it's a tourist trap, but it's it's totally worth it. And, and, uh, like, I mean, it's, it's really cool. So, like, they use a bunch of Bluetooth um, devices to, like, power these like ridiculously huge robots and they're like it's like supposed to be like a play right so you're like you know 
oh, like, this is a struggle, and, like, you know, people, like, are, like, battling back and forth, like, you have, like, but it's, like, ludicrous, right? It's not meant to make sense, it's not meant to, it's meant to be a show. And so, like, you are watching these, like, videos, uh, or are watching these, like, robots, like, and these people dressed in costumes and cosplay, it's, like, if anything was trying to replicate America, that was as close as it got, because it's, like, everything was shiny, everything was in your face, it was, like, really... I've never seen so much metallic in my life. I, I, I was like overwhelmed. Sure, everything is chrome. I'll, I'll show you videos. I'll show you guys videos of this afterwards after we're done podcasting. Um, but so there were moments like that where I was like, "Oh, this is some next level shit." But like, it was the basic stuff too, right? Like you would go to the bathroom in every bathroom. Yeah. This is like no joke. Every bathroom in Japan was a bidet. Nice. Every. America, yeah, right. Get your ass washing game on point. <laughs> right. I ain't even joking. No, hundred percent. Public service announcement. Hundred percent. Fucking worry about it. I never saw a dirty but Japanese bathroom. Um, oh, that ends. And, and oh, and this goes back to my previous point of like the Japanese were raised on this. Like one thing that I noticed, I saw. This is not an exaggeration. I saw a, a total of three trash cans while I was in Japan. Okay. Three. So what did they do? So the, the rule in Japan is where you buy your food, like let's say you're buying street food, you either eat it there and throw it there, otherwise you're going to be holding on to that trash. Until you get home. Until you get, until you get home. Because the Japanese believe that if you buy something, that trash is yours. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? It's yeah. like, it's not, it's either it's the place that you bought it from or it's yours. So I like legit saw a total of three the entire time I was there. Like public trash cans. <laughs> Scavenger hunt for who finds the most trash cans. <laughs> Like, the crazy, the crazy Instagram profile. Trash cans in Japan. It's on radar sighting. <laughs> Start narrating that shit. There's yeah. only four pictures, and they haven't updated in three years. Yeah, <laughs> but it's that 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 just leads to the point that like it, the country is still so clean. <laughs> I could eat off the subway, like you I know what I'm saying. Like do I don't, I wouldn't, <laughs> but I could. Don't do that in India. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Unless you want to die. <laughs> die a quick uh, death. So here's how I can explain the Indian railway system. Oh my right? God. Ready? Everything that you said about Japan, take that and throw it out the fucking window. Yeah. And just like, and shit on it. And shit on it. <laughs> 1.3 billion times. I know. Exactly. Oh, and I then know smear exactly. it around a little bit. And, and then... that's... And then pee on it. And then pee on it. <laughs> I'm just joking. And that's the Indian railway system. Yes. Oh my god. I, 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 that's what I was comparing it to. What do you think I was comparing it to? It is the antithesis <laughs> of Japan. I guarantee you, you've never seen anything well, more foul. That's what I'm saying. I was like, this country is like 3,000 miles away. <laughs> yeah. How is it so different? Exactly. I was like, they're on the same continent. They're not. They're an island, technically. Yeah, but uh, Japan's technically Asia. No, no, you're think, right. Yeah. Um, like, were there any things that in normal day-to-day life that you saw where it's like, uh, I wonder why they do that? Like, in terms of maybe traffic or, you know, anything like their laws, for traffic? example. <laughs> do they have any traffic? Yeah, yeah. Very like, were so. there, like, education system, police system? So, the little laws. things. Little yeah. things I noticed were, you know, like, here, when, like, there's a stop sign and, like, the man is not showing? Yeah. And it's like a stop sign, but there's no cars coming. Right. People will wait until the man comes. Uh, no, I, no, no jaywalking. No, like, yeah, and they, they're very good about it. They'll, like, wait. And, and if you walk, 
They'll make you feel bad. <laughs> like, they'll look at you. They'll be like, they'll be like, <laughs> American. So, they'll give you that like disapproval. Yeah, 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 I, will, sure. I will say it's like that in New York, but if you go when the man's not there, you're gonna get hit by a car. It's a that's little true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. A little different reasons why. Your incentive is different. But the, <laughs> survival. The end result, the end result is different. <laughs> you have survival versus guilt, yeah, but it's, it's yeah, the same yeah, situation. Yeah, right, right, right. right. Yep. Um, you know, it's kind of, it's just funny, man. So that, that's one thing. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> escalator et- etiquette. So everybody in Japan, all and this apparently varies from city to city because it was different in, in uh, Kyoto than it was in Tokyo. But everybody in Tokyo stands on the right side of the elevator. So, and, and they're like very good about it. Like meaning, unless you're moving up. Oh, yeah. You stand on the right side. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're very serious about it. Like meaning... If you don't, you'll definitely get some guilty, like, <laughs> yo, fuck yous. Like, I fuck yous. I've never seen so many I fuck yous. <laughs> like, you know? I need you to... Like, if you start walking down, down. I'm not understanding. For, hypothetically, let's say you're getting on the elevator, right? Or escalator. 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 Right? And so, like, you're, you're going to get on, and there's, like, this really long line. Like, there's a long line for the line that's, like, on the right-hand side. If you want to get on the left-hand... If you want to get go up the stairs, like, without, like, you know, waiting, like, you have to actually walk up the stairs. Uh-huh. That's the left-hand side. Uh, the right hand side. This is all on one okay. escalator. So like, there's like you know multiple escalators. This is on like one, and this is the decorum for all of them, right? It's like you have to you know stand on the right side if you're gonna you know wait and not walk up the ele- escalator. And so people on the left side of you will just we'll be walk walking. Up. We'll be walking up the ele- escalator mm-hmm. to try to. But you're allowed to walk up yeah. the left side. You're just not allowed to walk up the right side. Correct. Because oh, okay. there's not room on the right. Well, side. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because like you're that standing there. That's like the standing room. So can you can you go from the right to like the yeah left you can. yeah yeah you can oh, do that okay. all the time okay. yeah it was the same way for me in Belgium yeah if, if you if you stayed on that left side <laughs> you're gonna get an eye fuck and probably gets pushed out, pushed to the right side so they can go up yeah yeah but the thing about the Japanese and this is another thing I noticed is that uh, just everyday little things is that they'll never like actually say anything to you like they'll just wait patiently like you know <laughs> like yeah. they'll just be like and then until you notice. And then you'd like move out of the way and then everybody will just go about their business. But that's like, you know, kind of re- remarkable, that's right? Not, New York. Hey, right? get the fuck out yeah, of the way. Exactly. What the fuck are you doing? I'm, I'm walking, walking here. here. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. But that's what I'm saying is that like, you know, you'll be in Japan and, and this is just decorum for even like the, uh, even non-escalator stuff. Like if you're just, if you're on the, rest, on the street, you like, you know, walk on the right side of the street. And so people can like come or that are going the opposite way are coming on the left hand side, and if you're like you know the Japanese people are, are not going to like say anything if you're like walking slowly or something they'll just like walk around you, yeah. or they'll patiently wait. <laughs> they'll, they'll be like they'll walk slowly behind you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just stuff like those are the everyday wow. things. Wow. So it's pretty pretty it, it crazy. How did you feel? Packing up your stuff from the hotel, making your way back to the Airbnb, airport. Bro. No. Whatever. <laughs> the place you were with <laughs> the residence. Um, you got on that plane and you very were like, sad. This is it, man. Very sad. Actually, yeah. it's kind of interesting. I took a I took a, a picture of the last place that I like um, had coffee at or whatever in the airport because mm-hmm. it was like so Japanese looking. I was like, I don't want to leave. Yeah. And I had uh, like I, I had any opportunity that I went to like a coffee shop or something like that. 
and they had green tea, I had green tea. Literally every You're opportunity. So detox, bro. Literally every opportunity. Like I would get, oh, let me get a green tea latte. Can I get a green tea slush? Can I get green tea, whatever? Matcha, 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 matcha. matcha. Yeah. matcha, matcha, matcha. <laughs> and so, um, like I said, I felt the way that I do now, even more so then, because it's starting to fade now. But I don't think it'll ever fade fully. It doesn't. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't go away. Yeah, I don't think it'll ever fade fully. But um, I was so, like super sad. How super would you sad rate me. it on the soggy mango scale? Japan? Yeah, out of five. Out of five. This is me not exaggerating. It's probably a five. That's fair. I, and I'm trying not to like distort our scale, but it's just really that awesome. Nice. Oh, tell us about your Mount Fuji experience. Oh, Fuji. Long story short, it's a two-day thing. We climbed on the second to last day that it was open for the season. It closes every season. We also did the thing where you can stay at a lodge. And so we stayed at the lodge. We started at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You start at the fifth station. We took the most popular trail, which is the Yoshida Trail. Starts at the fifth station. And then you climb up. Uh, we started at 3. We got to the lodge at which is like a little past the seventh station at 7, 7.15. At that point, we were climbing in the dark for about 30 minutes, and we were like kind of debating on whether we wanted to actually get up in the middle of the night. and like, Because what you're supposed to do, the way you're supposed to climb Fuji, is you wake up at like 1, 12 a.m. or 1 a.m., and then you climb to the, the summit from your lodge and watch the sunrise. But from our like half an hour experience of climbing in the dark, we were like, I don't think we want to do this because this seems like really dangerous. What we ended up doing was staying at the lodge, uh, watching the sunrise from the lodge because the lady at the that greeted us, the host, she was like, you know, you can just watch the sunrise from here. It's, we're still pretty high up. And uh, we were like, okay. So then we did that. And then we started climbing at about, instead of climbing at like 1 a.m., we climbed at 6 a.m. And we got to the summit at 1 and we uh, stayed there for about, half an hour and then we had to start climbing down so we could return our headlamps before it closed oh, sure. that thing place closed and that's a two-hour descent conclusion the hardest physically the hardest thing that i have ever done i've wanted to clip multiple times on that on that journey um but it is a wonderful thing to do with somebody because it brings you closer you you just constantly are helping one another to like get through it unbelievably physically challenging and ridiculously cold I, I should have listened to the advice that was given. A couple of people told you that. <laughs> yeah, and, and a couple take, of people mentioned that to you. Didn't they? <laughs> yeah, uh, I ended up only wearing a sweatshirt <clears throat> and like obviously you track pants. The frostbite that you got on your nipples. <laughs> I didn't get any frostbite, but I should have worn a jacket and some more layers because uh, it's it's a, mean, it's no it's it's a you real. Know, it's bit. not like you're climbing a mountain or anything. <laughs> Um, one of the highest mountains too right yeah, but you know nobody measured it <laughs> right nobody measured it uh, but it was uh, unbelievably challenging and the, the most intense part about it is that like and this goes to your point about the you know Japanese people and how old you know like they how healthy they are and longevity of age we had like 70 or 80 year olds passing us like yep. passing us not just like stopping like but keeping up with us passing they're like, and they're like, slow this ass. is our eighth time doing it yeah. this season. Well, no, you got to take into account, like, <clears throat> the biggest thing is the elevation. Right. We live close to ground, like, sea level here. Right. And you were like, all right, I'm going to go to Japan and I'm going to climb Mount Fuji. You know what I mean? Yeah. Your body was not prepared for that. Right. I guarantee you, if you had spent the summer, like, doing the trails and the Appalachian and all that, yeah. you would have been better conditioned. Not in the best condition, but you would have been, your body would have been accustomed to going up in altitude. 100%. I couldn't have co signed with that more. 
and take the oxygen. <laughs> Buy it. Don't laugh at it. Buy it. But yeah, but that makes sense. Like the air gets thin, so it's hard for you to breathe. Oh you will pass God. out. We laughed at it when we got to the fifth stage. We're like, oh, people buy fucking oxygen. <laughs> Losers. <laughs> we should fucking buy the oxygen. And you were dying up there, weren't Yo, you? Oh my god. Take a hit of that O2. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we and we heard. Uh, yeah, I mean, I had some uh, slight altitude sickness, some yeah, nauseous, just a little nauseous. Bends up there. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's Japan out. Let's go together next time. We'll make it happen. I'm telling you, it's a fun trip to do with a ton of people. Yeah. So my, we should do it. My Japan trip is hopefully, God willing, yeah. God's willing, two years out. There we go. Twenty. 19 let's say yeah inshallah man like i said for sure 100 percent worth it and i'd like to, i'd love to go with all of you guys again someday let's let's wrap this up we will have a part two of this episode thank you for right. listening y'all we out if you would like to educate us challenge us or provide feedback write to us at our email apvi.us.podcast at gmail.com or tweet us at the podcast